calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, this is Alex Dolan. I'm the creator of The Patron Saint of Suicides, and we're here with bonus episode two. And today we've got a great episode for you. We're diving into the characters and recording sessions. With um, with uh, the cast of The Patron Saint of Suicides, our two lead characters, along with Vince. Um, that's my intro. Nice. It sounds like you forgot our names, <laughs> just the way you laid it out. The uh, uh, cast. The cast is the cast. <laughs> You want us to introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Melissa Park. I played Haven, and and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, my name's Rob Schwab. Uh, I played Detective Victor Blossom. I know that we, I'm probably going to cut this, but I need to ask, have we been pronouncing your name wrong the entire time? M- my name? Yes. Oh, uh, it's possible. I'll respond to Alyssa or Elisa, but I personally pronounce it Elisa. I am so sorry. I honestly thought it was Alyssa. Uh, yeah. Well, all right. Scrap the whole thing. Start it over. I, I, I just have never seen that the spelling of that name with the pronunciation, Alisa. I, I was like, my parents are Korean, so they don't call me Alisa. And I went to a French school until I was like 12. So growing up, the way that I heard my name pronounced was Elisa. Bonjour, Elisa. Oui, exactement comme ça. So, like, in, in English, the closest approximation would be, like, Elisa. Yeah, I'm so sorry. We pronounced it incorrectly for literally, like, six months. Yeah, now I feel like a jackass. <laughs> it's okay. It's one of those things where it's, like, I am not especially attached to people calling me either Alyssa or Elisa. Like, I understand that those are both me. My name's actually pronounced Rube, and you guys have been saying that wrong the whole time, so... I mean, me and Adam are just assholes at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, everyone calls me Alex, but it's really one love. (laughs) Oh, good luck editing this, Vince. This is is all over the place. (laughs) Oh, God. You've got about three minutes of usable uh, audio so far. 
And and by the way, whoever's listening, if you if you're ever wondering what it's like to spend an evening having drinks with me, like that's pretty much it. <laughs> Just like ta- tangent after tangent. <laughs> that should be a number one tier on Indiegogo. Drinks with Alex. Oh, you're gonna have too many donors <laughs> then. I don't you might want to slow it down. <laughs> So first things first, like I said, um, you two actually have not met each other until right now. That That is correct. It's pretty funny because uh, we have scenes with you two obviously interacting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the, on you guys, the onus to make it sound like we were in the same room the whole time. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm going to admit like I had no idea what Blossom would sound like. So hearing <laughs> hearing you, Rob, I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> it is a little different from what I imagined uh, in my head. That was going to be my question. Yeah, how close is it? <laughs> <laughs> Although when I was doing it, it was a little uh, it was a little deeper, so it's a little different than my just natural speaking voice. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we had um, – I remember our first session with you, Rob, we ended up doing like – I think it was like 20 minutes of just like, okay, try a different voice. Okay, try a slightly different voice. <laughs> I, I think it was most of that whole first hour. We recorded the, <laughs> the whole first, <laughs> the first episode, yep. and then we were like <clears> – yep. Uh, we'll we'll come back to it and then <laughs> we figure out the voice later. <laughs> well, we did the same with uh, Alyssa with Haven's parts too. I mean, we recorded you know chronologically with both of you, but then I think at some point we went back and redid episode one uh, for just some better takes. Now that you know you've gotten more used to the character and things like that. Part of me wants to actually record part of this interview with Rob and part of this interview with Alyssa and, and mash it up. <laughs> Put them together. Keep keep that <laughs> dynamic the same, right? Yep. <laughs> it's the only way we know how to interact. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Is by never truly interacting at all. <laughs> be really funny. I'll just pretend to be both of you like I did during the recording. Yeah. <laughs> Try to, like, approximate how we'll answer. And, and Vince really brings it to life, so. Yeah, yep. absolutely. <laughs> With Haven, though, the way she, like, her voice is is just my voice. So it was really more just like, how how does she emote? Because she's so complex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a question. Is this all, all part of it? Have we started? <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. oh. All right. I was I was not oh. sure. <laughs> yeah, this is the fun part. I assume Vince is just gonna like cut this down, but like all of this shit is gold. Oh yeah. It's hard. It's gonna be hard to figure out what to keep and discard. Real Frankenstein monster of an interview that worked. Yeah, we did the first one uh, similar to this. Alex and I just started talking. We were like five minutes in just to just random conversation. I was like, hold on, hold on. Let's bring in the Discord bot. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like this show is at the vanguard of um, responsible production because this is a social social distancing production. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Super social distance. We were doing it before it was cool. But Alyssa, you're in Canada. Yep. A whole other country. And and I'm in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. We spanned um, all of North America, really. Oh, do we have anyone from, from outside of North America, off continent? Oh, you know, um, I think we actually do. Let's wow. see. Global I, enterprise. I know. That's right. Super international. Yeah. We, we definitely <laughs> had some, um, I believe we had two actors from the UK. Uh, and I think we also had somebody from, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the place. It was uh, somewhere maybe Vietnam, I want to say. Whoa. Wow. That's really far. You had like 
was it like 42 i think i saw how, how many voice actors did you end up having for it total yeah big cast yeah wow it's a little more intimidating when you put a number on it <laughs> <laughs> so i'm guessing the train conductor was from the uk yeah, train conductor was from the UK. We had a, another person who um, was just really good at an American accent, and I had no idea until afterward. That's amazing. That's that's a professional right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so uh, shoot me your PayPal, and then, you know, went to go send the money over to them, and then I was like, um, this says it's in pounds. Is that correct? Or in euro? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pounds these days. Rob, I know you've been in a couple of podcasts already uh Alyssa, have you been in in any podcasts prior to this yeah i've been i've been in some some podcasts but they all have very different recording styles mm-hmm. than this one but yeah I've, I've been in a few what did what did they do differently um so it was in uh uh what is it called nim's nebulous choices i think that's it i hope i didn't mess that up it's been a long time since i recorded for it um but that one was very different because the people making it live in Australia. So I woke up at like 6 a.m. Um, and they just wanted to like do a quick call in order to like get the tone of the scene right. And then they just said, OK, you understand the scene. Uh, record a couple takes on your own. Um, and then for another podcast, I did live direction because um, the person working on it um, was from Toronto and then for another podcast, it was, um, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, uh, um, Moonbase Theta out, but it's a lot of like personal recordings. So you don't really need to be communicating with other people. So for that, it was really just like, um, here's the script and you kind of read it on your own. Though I would have calls with uh, DJ beforehand to kind of go over um, sort of what they wanted. And yeah. What about you, Rob? Well, it is it is interesting, like seeing all the different methods that people use. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, I've I've had a chance to work with Vince a couple times now, um, and the very first time was like I think it was really early on. It was like a, a year and a half ago, um, and at that time, it was the whole cast all uh, recording all at once so you could actually kind of feed off of him and then switch over more to to what he was doing for this one i think both worked well they have their own you know pros and cons but it's it's funny how many different ways can be used to to make a podcast Mm -hmm. yeah i agree um so i got to work on a couple projects with him and and just other projects outside of that it's kind of saying on that same subject it's just at least having those different experiences of recording in those different ways. I feel like if I go into something else now or I go into another project and they record a similar way or a different way, it's like, well, I didn't really have an expectation going into it anyway. So, you know, you kind of are able to adapt a little more easily that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially after recording with Alex and I, you probably go into the next one's like, oh man, this is much easier. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it out loud. No, uh, no, no, not at all. I think I think you guys were super helpful, and and especially like early on, like you were saying, we were trying to find the voice to use and kind of the the tone of the character, and uh, and having that live direction. Like if I were just off recording on my own, it would have taken a month just to get who the character is supposed to be. So I think it worked out really well. Yeah, it's definitely useful to have both of you in the call when we start recording. Just because it's like, if I ever have a moment where I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of how I think Haven is feeling at this moment. Um, and like, what is her, 
inner monologue behind what she's saying, actually. Um, what do you think? And then to have you say yes or no or yes, but also this is really helpful to kind of just like instantly be able to get those like insights on this character. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we kind of tried a, a bunch of different stuff for a lot of these recordings. Um, some of the more minor characters we let just record on their own. They'd send it in and then, you know, maybe we'd ask for retakes. Um, obviously with you guys, we wanted to be there for, uh, you know, for answering those questions, but also to kind of make the dialogue seem more realistic because we could bounce off each other. Yeah, and that meant, like, um, even when we were recording, I remember you were talking about how, yep, we were we were just recording, uh, you know, this character yesterday or whatever. So you kind of already had a tone of, well, here's how they respond. It might flow together a little better if you deliver it this way or, or come about it this way. I think that's, that is super helpful to be able to have that. Yeah, we did that specifically for Wesley and Turo, I believe. We knocked out pretty early on because we knew that they were pretty vital characters. Um, so when we got to the later episodes with you guys where they are more uh, more in the scenes, we were like, oh, yeah, no, he said it like this. So <laughs> react like that, you know. I can't wait to hear what Wesley and Turo sound like as well. Yeah, I probably should have sent it to you guys prior to this recording. <laughs> I, I, well, you're saying you're interested to hear what they sound like. I am a nervous wreck over here wondering what I even ended up sounding like. So <laughs> it's going to be all a mystery. Oh, no. <laughs> So, Alex, this was your first time directing anything live like this, right? Yes. How was it? I was surprised how much nudity was involved. <laughs> <laughs> On your run, specifically? It gets hot in these booths. <laughs> I, I assume we were all naked when we were recording. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. It was vital to the character i think yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean for me I, so my background is like you know mainly i'm uh, i do a lot of writing um and i'm kind of a book writer but for a long time i was a touring musician so i, I did a lot of work in studios but I've, this is the first time i've ever done any kind of recording with somebody where it's all been virtual so there is that something there's something about having the chemistry of being in a physical space that i'm so used to and i think the um it was great. Like, like Rob, like you were saying, there are pros and cons for doing it both ways. Like I could see there are different performances that would have happened if we all did it live together or if we were all in the same place together. But it was really intriguing for me just to kind of work one-on-one -on -one and try to draw out um, who, who the people were that we were trying to bring to life. Um, so it was, it was definitely a new way of working for me, but um it was really gratifying. Yeah, could you have imagined if we had actually tried to do it all in person and then all of this quarantine stuff happened? <laughs> that would have been terrible. I wouldn't but, even be there because I'm all the way in Canada. They would have had to fly you out on their dime. Yeah. Raise price a little bit. Season two, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to having everybody in the same room <laughs> for the recordings. So Vince, how does this, uh, did this, is this a change up at all from the other st shows that you're doing at, at, with audio media? Um, so initially I did mostly remote, uh, with all of these. So I just let people be like, Oh yeah, your voice fits, take the lines and go send, you know, record it and send it back. Um, and that's what we did for a large portion of season one for how I died. And it, we only did the main cast being me, um, Shayna, who plays Sheriff Crowley, and then Curtis, we did those live just so we'd get, like, you know, uh, the correct tones and everything for those. But then when we uh, ended up getting some of the voices back, they were just 
a little they didn't match they didn't fit you know the dialogue so that's at the point where i was like okay any major character that needs to kind of interact with the main cast really needs to just be live um either remotely or in person um i've done a couple of in-person uh recordings and direction and yeah up until we started working on this it was actually me uh reading the lines back and forth with the actors and directing at the same time so it was a great change to actually have you there to be listening to all of these so that you can give the feedback and and, you know i'm not trying to uh act and listen at the same time yeah that makes sense takes a little off the plate for you allow you to focus on one thing more than the other yeah i'm never doing uh both again teamwork makes the dream work (laughs) (laughs) so somehow i've never heard that before Wait, really? really? And when you start using it now, yeah. Wow. That is a little surprising. I, that's it. <laughs> it's like one of <laughs> those like super those super corporate sort of like slogans like Mondays, am I right? Or it's hump day. Are working hard or hardly working? Yeah, I think like for like I'm always <laughs> astounded when there's some like pocket of total ignorance that I have. I'll be like, <laughs> I'll know a lot about something and then I'll be like, fork, what the hell is that? Or like, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you guys have that, but there'll always be like some pocket of something that somehow I've never gotten exposed to. That is a great one, though. Yeah, it could be the tagline of the show. Yep. I thought uh, Lucha Libre was the tagline of the show. <laughs> that was the tagline. Yes, and I'm I'm hoping there's going to be an uptick in Lucha Libre because of the show. Hashtag Lucha Libre, get it trending. They'll finally get the recognition they deserve. If none of you have ever seen like semi-professional wrestling it is really entertaining <laughs> i can't i can't honestly say i haven't seen much i've never seen it but i hear a lot about it because i know a lot of people who really like wwe and aew so they'll be like oh orange cassidy is the best he never takes his hands out of his pockets and i'm like cool that sounds great <laughs> well it's, it's like it's such a soap opera and the guys really like there is a, um, an amount of athleticism and acrobatics that go into yeah. it even though it's staged but my favorite part was uh that when i went i was living in new york at the time and there was a, a really awful rom-com called 27 dresses that had come out that weekend i know this one yes i uh, yes starring katherine heigl it's i'm familiar <laughs> Rob's over here busting out fun facts. Yeah, about and the movie. now Catherine Heigl's going to be on my ass because of this. Because I besmirched her good name. But so Twenty Seven Dresses was opening across the street from uh, the professional wrestling tournament I went to in Manhattan, and the it was the lines were both wrapped around the block. But you can imagine what the the person who was seeing Twenty Seven Dresses might have been like. And in my line, it was like. 16-year-old boys who were dressed in black and never had talked to a woman. And I couldn't help myself. I walked down the line for my my events. I just stopped occasionally. I said, is this the line for 27 dresses? <laughs> to all these like nervous teens that were like quivering in line. They were all there to just see James Marsden, I think, is the, the true draw. Oh, was, was James Marsden the other guy in the movie? I, I'm spouting out some 27 dresses facts over here. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I've never seen that film. I had a friend. I was in high school when this came out. Um, so I'm dating myself here. But I had this one friend who like 
was obsessed with the movie and every year or not even every year, but like every couple months, she'd be like, you should come over to my house and watch 27 Dresses. And I'd be like, oh, oh, no, no, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had at least at least like 30 opportunities to see it, but I never have. You had maybe 27 opportunities. Maybe 27 opportunities. Can you can you erase that? I don't I don't like that. Please don't include this. (laughs) No, (laughs) No, that was gold. Yeah. I'm going to be our little um, our little tag clip before we start getting into it. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I feel like I feel like that sounds like a perfect setup for a rom-com. Like two people meet in line to go see either 27 dresses or wrestling. Yes. When we're when worlds collide. They're from different sides of the tracks. <laughs> I got to ask after this conversation I need to ask you Rob were you in the line across from where Alex was I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny uh how many theaters I went to go see 27 dresses at um, You were the guy with the James Marsden t-shirt <laughs> I I mean I I literally next to me I have a mini shrine so it's it's not a big deal wow. It's okay <laughs> Alex is going to print out a poster that says teamwork makes the dream work after this and post it in his office <laughs> <laughs> All right so um what was it like kind of getting into the characters for both of you guys um you know a lot of the stuff that we discuss in the podcast is very hard you know emotional stuff to kind of put yourself in those roles so what was it like for both of you it's hard to really, like, because I don't think I, I had any, like, rituals where I was like, oh, to get into character, I need to, like, uh, do 10 push-ups and watch Robin Williams movies and, like, like pet a dog and, like, move into a small basement or anything like that. It was kind of just, like, I, I read the script beforehand and then I would come to these recording sessions and just, like... Because I had spent, like, over the course of a few episodes, I'd spent several hours uh, just with the character through reading and through recording um, that it just kind of felt natural, I guess. Did you do any recording on your own before we got to the studio together to just try out stuff? I did a little bit, but, like, I think it was just the first episode just to, like, hear it and then listen to it but I didn't do it for very long I think I only really did um up until that guy shows up and and Haven pretends to be um, a mom who lost her kid um because I just wanted to hear like what I thought it would sound like but I also knew that over time it would change so I didn't like get married to that idea or anything sure there's a lot of range with Haven too, obviously being partially a comic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, preventing people from committing suicide. So you had to jump back and forth a lot, kind of in those moods, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, like the more time you spend in embodying this character, the more it feels like these different facets of their personality are. It's it's not like oh you peel back one layer and and Haven is this and like. She's not like a, a a Russian nesting doll or anything. It's like this. The, these are all parts of her, so it doesn't feel like I'm jumping in between different personalities. It just feels like this is just how she is. I think the fact that she is a comic maybe made it like an entertainer in some way. Maybe made it a little bit easier because I I wouldn't consider myself an entertainer honestly, but like. I think I think the type of person who wants to be a performer in some kind of ways 
is the sort of person who who is interested in people and uh you know like Haven is a comedian so she spends a lot of time observing people and in her dialogue a lot of times she she kind of like is very observant and makes judgment calls and observe observations about people's appearances and the way that they behave uh, which I think is very common for people who are comedians because that's how they make their bread and butter but like I don't know it I'm I'm totally rambling I'm just like this this is an interesting thing about Haven that I think is cool but I like lost I forgot what the question was entirely <laughs> I, I'm actually just kind of intrigued to listen to it because it's like it's really cool for me to get your perspective on it yeah that actually made me think like I want to hear you guys both describe the characters that you played because I think it's it's fascinating yeah but like I don't know in my mind she's she's just a person who's really interested in people and like that kind of like plays into the fact that like you know she has this aspect of herself that's interested in like deeply connecting with people emotionally through saving people from suicides and like I don't, I don't know you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt but do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals because Rakuten shoppers do with Rakuten they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back and you can get it too start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora Nike and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in and getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I think the way that you're describing it is probably the best way for you, the person who had played her to be describing it. Cause you're not thinking of like me seeing it like her, this character does have so many different types of scenarios that she's going through. And depending on who she's talking to, she has a very different tone with each different person. And so from an outsider point of view, it very much feels like it should be, wow, she does have all these different layers. She is kind of that, uh, you know, Russian nesting doll, Whereas for you, it's like, well, no, it's all just the same person, which is probably much better for you to have played it that way. Um, but she does have such a dynamic range and what you would have to cover to, to perform that. I don't think anybody else could describe it as well as you after being in it so long, you know? I mean, near the end, I kind of lost it there because like so much of it feels like this is this is just how it is that it's like I don't need to describe it. It's just like something I feel in my heart. So, Rob, no pressure, but uh, follow that one. Yeah, I was just going to say, man, I, mean, I shouldn't have let her go first. Uh, <laughs> Too polite uh, for your own good. <laughs> well, I mean, my guy was a cop. That's it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. No. Um, so I think I think Blossom, for me to 
kind of get into the character because I was trying to figure out like what his his voice was, what his tone was going to be, um, especially those first couple episodes, like going in, like <laughs> after that first episode, we kind of had an idea of what he was really supposed to be sounding like and the way we wanted to have it delivered. And so like leading up to us recording and even between the recordings, like when I would just be driving, I would just be speaking in that, try to get that tone <laughs> correct and be able to speak in a more fluid way. Um, and so like my son would be in the background, he'd be like, dad, stop making voices <laughs> uh, because I was just trying to get that to be feel more natural. Um, despite it not being my natural voice. Um, and then, so I think I had in the back of my head, I was all worried of, well, he's very, as far as just the character he is, he's, he's an, uh, not old, but he's an older cop who's kind of been around. He has seen everything before. And so it, it's almost like nothing really phases him. Uh, and he does have this partner who who hasn't seen everything. And so he, he does have an element of him where he's like, okay, I like this person. I want to be able to help guide her a little bit. But as far as everything he's seeing, it doesn't phase him much. Um, he He's just kind of, yep, it's another day. Let's let's figure it out and, and move on. So my worry was, well, is this, if I'm trying to have this very calm demeanor the whole time, man, I hope it doesn't come off as sounding like, oh, I'm just flat and uninterested uh, as I'm delivering the lines. So I, that's what I had in the back of my head as I was you know, trying to avoid having just a very monotone delivery. But I think with, with his character, it's, um, you know, he, he's, he keeps a lot internal. So it's, it's, it's hard to try to convey that, I guess. See, I, I know what you're talking about. No, I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting though because that's it's such a unique character, um, especially as you normally see, you know, detectives portrayed in a lot of other things, being crime thrillers, TV shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Alex, you want to touch a little bit more on kind of why you decided to go with Blossom in that direction? And Rob, I think we we may have talked about this at some point, but uh, Alisa, I don't think that we I've ever shared this, but um, among so I talked to a lot of. Uh, a lot of cops to do the background research for this. And so a lot of the way, just some of the, some of the characters in the police procedural half of, of the show, those are kind of modeled after the patterns of people I talked to. Um, but there's somebody who I met um, a, a little while ago, um, probably like 10 years ago. And I went to um, a friend of a friend's wedding and she was marrying a homicide detective. And this completely defied my expectations of what this guy was. He was actually a second degree black belt, but he was just, there was none of the severity that I anticipated with somebody who was in that position. And he told me the story about how he'd been chasing a suspect in a, in a car and the suspect had decided to pull off the highway and cut through a residential section and so I said, so what did you do? And he said, well, I just gave up the chase because I don't want to hit a kid. Um, and it's, it was just that insight of like, oh, you actually care about people. Like, it's like this, you aren't the grizzled, hard-nosed detective. You're like, you're somebody who actually gives a damn about people. And um, instead of like putting up a shell from all this exposure to all this horrible stuff, you have developed this in depth of, of empathy. Um, and I liked that. And, and I, I feel like that's more of a, an archetype that's starting to happen in police dramas of somebody who isn't 
isn't a two-dimensional character. There's somebody who's taken that trauma and grown from it by having a, like a depth, a depth of feeling about people. And that's that's what I what I wanted to bring to the the detective. I think that really comes through in the the script as well, because I remember when I was reading through the scripts, I when Blossom shows up, I remember being kind of initially surprised in like when he's doing his interviews and things like that. His approach is like he's quite he's quite like I guess tactical in a way. Like he, he he's very strategic in how he asks questions, but it's very clear that like his number one goal is to connect with people. So that was a little bit surprising at first. And then again, I was surprised in that scene where he's like attacked in his driveway and then he he does like action cop stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, I've been double surprised by this man. The strange thing about, so I have a number of friends who some people, I have a friend who was in the special forces um, I have, a, you know, I have friends who are martial arts folks or in law enforcement and the people that really know how to hurt you, you would never think I mean, like there, there's somebody that I know who's like the closest thing I know to James Bond. He's a good friend of mine and he was a, a POW at some point. And he, if you met him, he's one of the most likable people you'd ever think. And it's not like, and he was a Marine. So by definition, you have to be in insane physical shape to be a Marine to be in special forces even more so, but he doesn't, he's not one of those guys. that's like 280 pounds of muscle. He's just like a lean guy. He looks just like a normal guy, but if he wanted to hurt you, he really could. And I think, um, like there's a shit like, um, have you guys seen the show Barry on HBO? That's a really good example of like, I think a lot of the people that I've met, they're real people that they've been trained to do this, but that's not what they do. They're not sharks that are looking for a fight all the time. They just have been trained to do this. And so they're good at it. Well, I think, I think you're the way you wrote it. I agree. It does come across or come across really like he does have that level of empathy, but I think if most other people would have written this sim type of story or would have tried to write the same type of character, they would have had him have this real intensity behind his scenes or he like he would have uh, been really emotional and kind of would have had more of like that vigilante Batman type of feel. And you don't have that with, uh, you know, Blossom, except, you know, when shit really hits the fan, like like the scene that you were talking about. Um but like, like, like you said, with his interviewing style, he's very empathetic to the people who deserve empathy, and for the people who are trying to get a rise out of him, he he stays very even keeled. He doesn't let them uh, elicit a reaction out of him the way that they would want to. And and part of the uh, for people who are kind of like coming to this from the beginning, part of the world that we're we're creating, half of it you live in Haven's world, and half of it you live in Blossom's world, and there's a point where these two worlds converge. So I wanted to create something that would, down the road, create some sort of bond between them. And I think that empathy is part of it. And um, I mean, a lot of where it comes from for me as a, as a writer is I, um, I, so I'm a book writing guy. <laughs> um, and, and the authors that I really like, there's, a, there's one author that I have a, a total literary crush on named Joyce Carol Oates. And she's very prolific and... Um, she wrote a, a really great book that was loosely based on the Jean Benet Ramsey case um, called My Sister, My Love. And it's a very thinly veiled account of what happened with that family. Um, 
And but the the theme of it was this idea of you can't have empathy unless you've been through some kind of suffering. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting thought um, to play around with. I think for both Haven and both Blossom, part of this empathy comes from the fact that they've been through stuff and that makes them that trains them to feel empathy toward other people in a way that other people don't. Yeah, no, I, I think that for both characters, obviously so much is revealed about them as you move through the story. So hopefully we're not spoiling anything. I don't know what you're leaving in here or not, <laughs> but yeah, whatever we do, uh, don't, don't mention the dinosaurs at the end. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Got Come it. On. You haven't finished listening. Stop <laughs> listening to this podcast and go listen to the actual podcast. <laughs> Uh, but but like uh, for for certain loss or what they've been through, I think the way it is revealed is was some of my favorite part of not not just you know being part of the project, but even just reading through the scripts initially. I remember there was like two or three scenes that had like the reveals of certain things, and I was just like, oh shit, just <laughs> just in my sitting in my car reading it. Um, and so I I I think it is a pretty pretty impressive to be able to be able to write that way, but also to genuinely surprise people as, as they go through the story, as you learn more about the characters. I think um, we'll most likely air these uh, on the live feed after the main series of season one has ended. So we can definitely talk about some spoilers if we want, but I did want to ask uh, Elisa, did you, um, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) did you, uh, did you predict the ending did you have an idea of haven's character uh, i i knew what the ending was because i think you told me like the, the uh, very yeah. first recording session <laughs> spoiler <laughs> i know i couldn't help it i think it was pretty important in terms of um you know influencing her character right yeah like that's that's information that's good to have at the start and i i think that like in terms of this idea that like you need to suffer to have empathy i think is very much true for haven because part of the reason why she's able to connect with people so well is because of her own lived experiences. But then there's also this, this idea that like there's a limit to how much empathy suffering can, can give you because at at a certain point she's experienced so much tragedy in her life that when she hears certain types of, of suffering or um, like interacts with certain people, she obviously has some, some like caring for people like she doesn't she doesn't want people to die but she wants them to die like she has a gentleness with Turo um to some degree but she's she's willing to kill him in a pretty cruel way yeah so she's kind of developed her own sense of of um empathy and justice as a result of her experiences it kind of feels yeah i think we get some uh, an interesting side to haven as we get further into it, you know, specifically dealing with uh, Diego's suicide and then mm-hmm. That's David's, also what I was thinking of that. Mm-hmm, yeah, and then David's jumping off of the bridge. I think in both in both of those instances, she was a little more cold towards them than she even was with Toro during the, the last moments of his life. Yeah, but I think that part of that is why Haven and Blossom are good foils for one another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's also an interesting reveal for Blossom's character. Uh, towards the end, we obviously find out that his wife has been dead for about a year uh, and that due to 
to what's happened to him, part of his suffering, he tends to look at people in a direction that's judging them initially on if they can be saved or not. And I think that's obviously a huge pivotal moment for the series finale. Um, I, I guess, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into that. Either Alex or Rob, if either of you have <laughs> thoughts on, on that. Um, yeah, I mean, um, this is a conversation that, that I think we've, we've had before, but uh, I think one of the, the, the themes I wanted to explore with Haven's character is that this fluidity of, of human behavior. And I, I, th- I think I started to become more attuned to it a few years ago when the, when the Bill Cosby story kind of broke wide. And uh, I think a lot of people don't like to believe that someone could be both someone they look up to and also be someone who does really bad things. And I think that, that the way that's mostly portrayed is like, you find that there are a lot of thrillers out there, like someone's married to somebody and then you turn out he's, he's really a killer. And he never, you know, you never knew that, uh, he, he could, he was this fake guy all along and the real guy was the killer. And I, I feel like when people see somebody like a Bill Cosby, um, have those kind of crimes revealed, there, there's this disconnect where they don't feel like somebody could be a groundbreaking comedian and philanthropist and, you know, self-important blowhard, um, and also somebody who could be a serial rapist. And I think people, it's safer for people to feel like they're either one or the other, and one is the fake person and one is the real person. Um, but I think the reality is that it's all the real person. Um, and I think the more that we're seeing some <clears throat> some actual cases come out, the more that we're seeing that there's this fluidity of people of of people that can do wonderful things and people that can do horrible things, and it's all the real person, and it that scares the average person, which I think makes this interesting material for a thriller. But for me, the thought of it is very empowering because it means we get to choose the kind of people that we want to be, um, and especially we're we're recording this at the height of um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And, and I think a lot of what, what's happening in this movement, I, I feel is really empowering because we, we're seeing that people can do, can be great and can be horrible. And um, it's, it's kind of up to us to call people into check, make them accountable. I, and I think the way that you wrote out um, Haven's character is, really shows that i think that's it's a the epitome of exactly what you're talking about where there's so many scenarios where you're like wow she's she's this very caring very empathetic very um loving person um and then obviously with the whole twist uh you find out maybe not so much okay well so maybe there there are these two sides of her but just this fluid it's it's not one or the other it's that she's both of these things um and then for uh, Blossom, I think for the most part he he has a he comes across a very very similarly throughout the entire story where it is this um, empathetic he's trying to do right by everybody as best he can, um, but there are scenes early on that make you think, or at least when I was reading it, that made me think, Am, is my guy is my guy a bit of an asshole? Is he cheating on his wife here? Like I wasn't sure. Um, and then you find out that you find out the details of, you know, how his, his wife died and then are, you realize, okay, well, 
all right, maybe he's, he's not such a bad guy. Um, but there is that fluidity that you don't know. Um, and I think, I think you nailed it on the head. That's it's, there's more to people than what's on the surface. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason I'm all also drawn to thrillers and, and crime dramas and, and horror is that you are, you're putting a mirror up to real life and you're exposing people to things that normally make them afraid and make them scared. So they don't have to be scared of them. So you see somebody like uh, Walter White in Breaking Bad, who can be a good father and also can be a criminal overlord. And it's not to say that we have to empathize with everything, but the mirror that relates to our own lives allows us to see somebody like Walter White and, and realize that we don't have to become him. Like seeing a character like Haven is interesting for me because it's the extremes of human behavior, somebody who wants to save somebody and somebody who wants to kill somebody at the same time. And we see that and it's scary, but the thing is, we don't have to be that person when we see it. And I think thrillers can be very cathartic for people to be exposed to extremes, human behavior, and realize that it's the power to be the best person they can. Did you guys come into this with like a set of questions <laughs> prepared and stuff or anything, or not really? Yes. No. <laughs> you did? The two different approaches on it, though. Well, normally, when I, I, so I do another show where I do interviews all the time, and I do actually come in with a set of questions. I just figured that it would be more fun if it was freeform. I did come with specific topics to talk about, but not a ton of, like, actual, like, we got to hit this one, this one, this one, you know. How, how are we doing on your list? We're good. We have, uh, we have two more. <laughs> oh, fun. Um, I did want to ask, do you guys think that the characters have changed through the story? Do you think that by them meeting and kind of crossing paths, are they different on the other side? Um, I think so. Um, I, I think the certainly from the, the listener's point of view, obviously you're going to see this big change because of Moore's just revealed about the characters. But um, but I think they're they're both definitely affected by one another. Um, they're influenced by one another. They're kind of surprised by one another. And so they almost don't expect um, how the other is going to react in certain situations. So I think they, through experiencing that and learning how they're <laughs> more about this person, it does change their outlook on them a little bit. Hmm. Do you disagree? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really know. Cause I, I, I feel like when I was recording for Haven, so much happens in Haven's life that Blossom almost feels incidental to it. And that's not to say that Blossom isn't an extremely important character who, like, drives the story forward and uh, everything like that. I think it's just more that for for Haven, Haven has a specific goal in mind. And there are a lot of people who show up who kind of get in the way of her her goals and blossom is just another one of those people but maybe just a little bit more of a persistent one i know that actually makes a ton of sense especially because haven is hiding so much from from everyone else uh she is she is keeping this whole other side another part of her secret so i absolutely see where you're coming from i think it's probably a good thing that i think <laughs> that yeah i totally changed and you're like no nah, not so much <laughs> that is really interesting for both of your characters yeah it's fitting 
So, Alex, we can't reveal a ton about season two. Uh, obviously, you're still working on it right now. What is your answer to that question? Um, I think a lot of the setup in season one leads nicely into season two, where um, we're going to unpack a little bit more about what happened to to Blossom's wife and the role he played and everything, and um, kind of bring Haven and Blossom together again for something else. And um, and so that it'll be kind of a little bit more of worlds colliding. And um, yeah, I, I think it'll be the, the story that I think we have, we have mapped out, I think is going to be a fun story to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think based on this experience, their lives are going to forever be intertwined, whether they want it to or they want them to or not. Yeah, I think by the end of season one, we realize that like it or not, they're joined because they're, you know, you know, Blossom at the end of season one is, is keeping Haven secret and figuring out what to do. And so they, they were, they're sort of reluctantly bonded together at this point. So what did you guys think about the process overall? How was it? Was it fun? Do you have any specific, you know, memories or something that sticks out to you other than yelling Lucha Libre? I was, well, you already stole it from me though. Um, I, I mean, I think we covered, uh, I think we covered some of the points of like, as we were just trying, trying to get into the character for Blossom, at least um, some of that early on stuff. Um, I, I mean, I was thrilled to be part of it from the get go. I remember uh, getting sent all the, uh, all the scripts for all the episodes and reading through them in like just a couple days. And, as I hit some of those big milestone points, I was like, man, I, I'm super happy to be, <laughs> to be part of this. So I was excited from the get-go and still am really to, to hear how it all comes out. Um, but I think there were some, uh, some staggering, <laughs> some, some setbacks along that way. Cause I think I like my, I had an issue with recording one of the times where we had recorded one of the more like intense uh, scenes. I don't remember exactly what scene we recorded, but we had recorded 30, 30 minutes of of uh, the more exhausting part of the whole season for me. And I was like literally tired. And I looked over at my recording only to find out almost none of it had recorded. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. To, yeah, it was awful. And <laughs> so uh, we he, Vince was like, well, at least we know what we're doing this time. Let's do it again. And so uh, <laughs> so something like that was no good. And then, like, the next time we went to record, my computer had updated against my will. And so my recording uh, uh, program was not working appropriately. And so we had to fi- figure out some other way to have it record. So there was, like, three different ways we recorded for, like, a two-week period <laughs> there. So that was, that was fun. Uh, but... Uh, but outside of those setbacks, I still think, uh, you know, obviously we persevered through it and I was still just as excited, if not, you know, a little embarrassed about it, I guess. Uh, no, you did great. You were a trooper for all of those, too, because like the other part of the story that you're not telling here is that after the 30 minutes when you were completely exhausted from doing that and we got none of it, we did it again and you nailed it. And then that's what we ended up using in the, the final episode. Yeah, my arms are really tired. Like I was <laughs> like I was exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> And Elisa, I think we had some similar situations, like we ended up recording, uh, not that there was a ton of technology issues on the recording side, but when we were doing it remotely, we kept running into like, I can't hear you over here, or the mic is doing oh, this yeah. thing, so we'd switch to a different platform. <laughs> or we're getting echo. Yep. And then um, 
then some of the things just took a lot longer than I think we anticipated. Yeah. I remember one time Discord just straight up stopped and we had to reschedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Discord does that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the servers went yeah. down or something. I swear I I have never had as many issues recording remotely over Discord than with all of you guys. So I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to find a new way to do it going forward. All in all, though, we I, I feel like we powered through most of the tech issues on our end, at least. I, I had a good time recording. I I can't really think of any, like, like episode specific moments that i was like oh this is this is this is the scene mm-hmm. or anything like that um where where like it was extremely memorable so much as like a collection of things that was memorable like i liked just going into the recording studio and like being able to chat with you guys and like talk about what's going on in our lives like it was very nice to just have that like friendly connection outside of just like doing work stuff yeah i agree i think we all really got to know each other through this process too which is just tons of fun i i love doing this i don't know about i mean you guys said you had fun but for for me this was just like one of the best things that we could have done over the winter absolutely totally on the same page there this is this is a blast i've been wanting to get involved in audio dramas for a long time so vince from our initial conversation um I I just was really excited to have a, a partner who kind of teach me how it's done and and just kind of immerse myself into into creating something. Um, and it's it's strange that I know that some of the scenes, the nature of this show is very dark, and I think that's part partly because a lot of the writers that I really like intentionally write taboo subjects, and so they make people squirm a little bit, and so part of the goal of the show is to make people squirm. And so there are some scenes that are definitely harder, I think, for the actors to get through. Uh, I know that the the actor who plays uh, Diego, who did a great job, the, his final scene, he at the, at the end of it, like he just killed it. And then at the end of it, he's, he's a funny guy. And he just said, uh, I need to go and hug my kids. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's Luis, right? He's, he's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Luis. So, yeah, I, so I would... Um, I mean, I would imagine like being an actor who has to kind of inhabit that emotion in the moment. Like there are scenes that are probably draining to go through, but hopefully the the payoff comes that when people listen to it, it's it's more authentic and it kind of takes you to more of an extreme place. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I do think there's obviously a, a couple scenes for I mean, for me personally, that stand out more besides the technical difficulties side of it. Um, but like uh like Elisa already said, the the scene where he was being followed by the other guys and he gets out and you're like, oh, man, he is a badass. Like he like kind of you don't almost didn't see it coming a little bit. Um, so a scene like that or the one following up and after that where he is going from this very empathetic character to, whoa, he's really intimidating when he's uh, when he's having the interaction with the other officer. Uh, and, and so I, I think there are like those two scenes and even the ending that definitely stand out the most to me um but i mean yeah it was all all a great experience i feel like when it comes to the scenes that i had the most fun recording i mean this the stand-up lines are always super fun because uh, that's just kind of like you get told to do these lines and you get to really ham it up and like be funny and that's that's fun but when it comes to like scenes in the story that i i, I enjoyed playing 
I really liked scenes with Wesley just because I think that's that's Haven trying to be as vulnerable as she can with someone she genuinely wants to be vulnerable with and seeing that like like oh there are despite her being such an empathetic person and like being open in certain ways about like the the death of her father and her own struggles with mental illness and things like that there are certain walls that she will never be able to break down no matter how much she wants to and like being able to like play that sort of scene is really fun as well it's funny you mention that because actually i really liked writing those scenes because haven is basically a control freak i mean this whole season one is about her trying to get some semblance of control after going through a tragedy two years ago and um she's largely figured out how to master that but with wesley she can't so in a way like we're seeing we are seeing her at a vulnerable point but we're seeing her her at, at kind of a her most honest because she can't control this relationship because you, you can't control love. And I think to your point, Alex, a lot of this stuff was very hard and it took a toll on pretty much everybody involved in recording these scenes. And I think one of the things that a lot of the people don't get to hear specifically from the episodes is just how fun it was for us behind the scenes as well we had a ton of fun doing the actual recordings like elisa you just said uh you know we always got to chit chat about what was going on you know all that kind of stuff and i don't know i think uh i think the atmosphere that we were able to create with everybody that was involved was something kind of special that i don't think anybody's gonna hopefully no one's gonna forget after this you know Hey, as a sign-off, can we do a quick Lucha Libre <laughs> on three? Yeah. One, two, three. Lucha, Lucha Libre! <laughs> it was such a small line. Like, <laughs> it wasn't at the I end know. of the first episode. And then people are going to listen to this and be like, why are they saying Lucha Libre? <laughs> yeah, what the, what the heck? <laughs> and I'll, uh, I could put in Richie's line where he... Lucha Libre. <laughs> the, the good contrast, the very intense versus the us shouting it joyfully. Yeah. I I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's super exciting. Um, next episode, Alex and I will be meeting with our other side of the behind-the-scenes people, the uh, two wonderful people who helped me put it together so that we can actually do and make it sound uh, as good as it does. So That's awesome. Yeah, and I think the sign-off is definitely going to be uh, Alex learning about the teamwork makes the dream work blind. <laughs> when I control the episode layout, this is what happens. It was Again, it was such a fun experience, so I want to thank you guys again for letting me be part of it. And I am genuinely super healthy mix of really excited and a little nervous, uh, but uh, to, to see how it all turns out, I'm really excited about it. I feel that 100% because like a lot of times like these these scenes are so training that at a certain point you do kind of run out of steam so like you're maybe like three-fourths of the way through and you're like am I, am I really am I really doing my best oh, I've got to really push through we only have 30 minutes left and then and then you're like I think I did the best that I could, but I don't know. Could I have done better? Because I'm, I'm trying so hard. 
Right. I think it's just that by my nature to be like, I'll second guess every performance I do. That seems like a healthy thing to do. Well, I think I think you both did an amazing job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you guys absolutely killed it. I think people are going to love the performances. I think you're going to be very happy with how you you turn out and sound in these episodes. Uh, but I do have to say that you can't get rid of us that easily. Uh, we've got bonus episodes planned that we need to talk about with both of you individually uh, to get those planned out. And, like I said, season two potentially coming soon. So, Ooh, Sounds good. Cool. Well, thank you guys both so much again for not only being a part of the show, but for also agreeing to jump on this even after you're done recording. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.